We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. She said in front of all of her teachers, I want you to take risks in your classroom. I want you to try some of these strategies that Cindy is talking about. And I do not care if they do not work for you. What I want you to do is try something new. And it was one of the most exhilarating things for these teachers because they knew going in and they would say to their students, we're trying something new today and we'll see how it goes. And the students could see that and they could also do that themselves. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dr. Cindy Burnett is the Director of Possibilities for Creativity in Education. Like her creativity-focused curriculum for students and teachers, Cindy embraces the creative lifestyle that she teaches. You'll often find her trying on new ideas, exploring resources to stretch your thinking, and being an advocate for playfulness and humor. Although she loves to research and write about creativity, Cindy is a firm believer in field service. She has 20 years of teaching experience as an academic at the International Center for Studies and Creativity at SUNY Buffalo State, where she instructed classes in creative thinking and creative problem solving. Cindy's the co-editor of the Big Questions in Creativity book series and co-author of the books Weaving Creativity into Every Strand of Your Curriculum, 20 Lessons for Weaving Creativity into Your Curriculum, and My Sandwich is a Spaceship, Creative Thinking for Parents and Young Children. Some of her projects include working with educators to bring creative thinking into the classroom, connecting communities of creative thinkers via social media, and designing and running a massive open online course on everyday creativity. She's the recipient of the President's Medal for Excellence in Teaching in 2018 by SUNY Buffalo State, was Buffalo Business First, Woman of Influence 2018 for her work in creativity, 
and was featured in the New York Times article titled Creativity Becomes an Academic Discipline. Cindy has a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater, a Master of Science in Creativity and Change Leadership, and a Doctorate of Education in Curriculum, Teaching, and Learning, all of which she uses to help ignite creativity and education around the world. In her spare time, she can be found singing and dancing with her two children, propagating plants, and trying to find the world's best slice of pizza. Welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. This is, I, I'm really excited about this conversation, especially about the creativity and having fun. And while I'm i am just dying to ask your luck on the best slice of pizza, I do definitely want to ask you about your first career that I just learned about in our pre-show chat. So if you could fill us in on that and fill us in a little bit on how you got to where you are now. Wow, how I got to where I am now. <laughs> Well, let's just see. When I was younger, when I was little, I loved singing and dancing. And my mom fortunately saw the spark in me and enrolled me very on in, early on in my life in dance and theater. And I was taking a lot of musical theater classes growing up. I went and obtained my bachelor's degree in theater and dance. And I moved to New York City. And the very first day I was in New York, I landed a first national Broadway tour. So I went on tour for six months and toured 89 cities. And you would think that would be wonderful. But um, for me, it was just going to Holiday Inns and eating at Denny's and Bob Evans and going out on stage and sort of doing the same thing over and over. And when I finished that tour, I was flying back, uh, back to my hometown in Buffalo. And I realized that being an actor wasn't as creative as I thought it was going to be. And I was really missing this creative spark inside of me. And so I decided not to go back to New York. And instead, I sort of sat in a a dark place in my life in my early 20s of not knowing what I wanted to do next. And someone said to me, well, you know, don't ask what you want to do with your life. What do you want to learn about? And I said, I want to learn about creativity. And I want to, and someone said, well, go study that. And I said, okay. So Funny story, actually 24 hours of me saying I wanted to study creativity, I found the International Center for Studies in Creativity, which was in Buffalo, New York, which is, you know, one one town away. And at that time, which was um, 1999, it was the oldest, that was the only degree granting program in creativity in the world. So I called up and I asked about their programs and they said, well, classes are actually starting this week. You could start classes tomorrow if you'd like. So I was sitting in my first graduate course in creativity. Now, the funny thing about studying creativity at the center was I, you know, I came from this artistic background. I had, you know, my black pants and my black leather coat and this long red hair. And, you know, if I walked down the street, people thought I looked like a rock star back then. And I walked into my first class and I thought, oh, we're going to be talking about the arts and creativity And I'm sitting around and everyone does introductions and, you know, there's someone on the side of me and they're like, oh, I I work in business and there's an educator on the other side of me. And I'm like, okay, where are all the artists? And the teacher said, well, this is a master of science and creativity. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, but all right, I'll, I'll play along, right? And so I did play along and I learned this whole cognitive, rational, semantic side of creativity and, you know, creative problem solving and design thinking and and looking at things from multiple perspectives and, and all of these really interesting strategies to help someone become more creative. But ultimately, you know, and at the heart of who I am is an artist. 
So there was this balance between the art side of creativity and the science of creativity, which is ultimately what I ended up exploring for the rest of my career. That's awesome. I I love the idea of how you started out with creative and you went into the the whole science side of it and the and the concrete part of it. One of the things that makes me wonder is was there a point that you decided or or if there was at what point did you decide or notice the concrete connection between creativity and bringing that into education and into the classroom? Yes. So I think this is what struck me early on is I had a course with a woman named Dr. Mary Murdoch. And Dr. Murdoch became my mentor throughout my graduate program and then became my mentor in my academic career. And the interesting thing about Mary was she worked she worked and studied under E. Paul Torrance. Now, E. Paul Torrance was known as the father of creativity and education, and he died in 2003. And unfortunately, Mary died in 2009 of breast cancer. However, what she instilled in me and that from day one is how to bring creativity into a classroom. Now, at that point, I was, you know, a a teaching artist. So I was bringing it into some aspects of my classroom, but it wasn't until actually I started teaching at the undergraduate level that I was able to bring this creativity into my classroom. And I could see the transformation of my students. And I could see my students say, wow, this class is like nothing I've ever taken before. And that's when I knew that I had something special that I had to share with the world. So, uh, okay. I, I, I hear what you're saying about that. And I, I love the idea because people always say that, right? When, when we talk about creativity in the classroom and how different the students interact with that and react to that. How do we get that message out to the teachers that are maybe not completely on board with bringing extra creativity into the classroom where they say, I'm, I'm creative enough in the classroom? How do we get the message out of the change, the drastic change, I would argue, it has on students? That's a great question. So the first thing I want to mention is most educators don't really understand what creativity is. So let's just frame that for them, which, you know, creativity is the general, you know, by definition, it's the generation of novel or new and useful and appropriate ideas. So having students generate novel and useful and appropriate ideas. And I always use the word appropriate when I'm working in education because we want to talk about the ethics around when you, what happens when you create something new. How will it impact other people? Is it ethically you know, correct? Is it ethically something that we is going to make the world a better place? So something that I really try to frame for teachers, when I speak with educators, let's say there's a group of 100 educators, and I say, how many of you think of of yourself as creative? I would say maybe half raise their hands. Then I frame it this way for them. I say, how many of you have had a challenge in your classroom where you couldn't find, you know, you couldn't just Google the answer or turn to someone and say, what should I do about this in the last week? And everyone raises their hands because that's what education is. You work in a classroom, you have a new group of students, no matter if you've taught the lesson one one time or 25 times, it's different with every group of students. So you are a problem solver. If you, you don't make it in education as an educator, if you can't problem solve. So once teachers recognize that creative problem, you know, creativity isn't just arts and crafts, which is like the thing that sort of makes my heart skip a beat because I'm like, that's not what it is. You know, creativity is not arts and crafts or being crafty in the classroom. Creativity is about 
setting an environment that students feel comfortable and trust you enough where they can share new ideas. So that's where that new ideas piece comes in. It's about integrating creative thinking skills into our our content, even when, when there's no time to do it. So oftentimes, you know, teachers come to me and this is, um, Christopher, this is where all of my work has been or most of my work has been around. So how do I actually do it when I am already pressed for time? And so that's where the weaving creativity into every strand of your curriculum came out because I started doing all these workshops where I I was showing teachers how to weave skills like curiosity and being original and looking at things from multiple perspectives and how to weave those into any content area. That's fantastic. I, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here furiously writing notes of the things you're saying, just so if I, so make to make sure everybody, and especially me, is getting what you're saying. I hear the idea of everyone's creative to a certain degree. If they're in the if they're in the field of education or something like that. And it's it has to do with the idea of trust in the classroom. So they have to have that relationship. And you're also saying that even if we have that that age-old argument, I impress for time, there's too many content standards. Creativity is not something extra to be added into the curriculum. No. It's something to be weaved into and delivered as the curriculum's delivered. Absolutely. And I think the way to look at this is think about a swimmer, right? To be a good swimmer, it's not just you swim, right? You have to learn how to do the breaststroke and the backstroke, and you have to be able to kick your legs strong and you have to be a good diver and you have to be able to breathe underwater. Well, the same is true as being a creative person. So if you're a creative person, there's a whole um, constellation of skills that you can acquire. So visualizing things rich and colorfully, tolerating ambiguity, embracing challenges, looking at things from multiple perspectives. So I have 20 skills I work with in my book. I also have a download that we can link in the show notes if you have show notes. And so they can download the sheet for free that shows the 20 different creativity skills. And what I usually say to educators is look at these skills and say, which one really resonates with you. Like I am really good at being curious in my classroom and I get my students to be curious because if you start with where you're already at, you're probably doing some of these things already in your classroom. But the point is to be more deliberate in your delivery. So let's get curious. All right. Instead of going home and finding all the answers to this text that you just read, I want you to go come up with 20 different questions. And you're going to bring those questions back. And that's where we're going to start our next class. And just something simple like that can get students thinking in a more um, curious manner and gets, you know, their creativity juices flowing. So it's not even, this is, this is changing my whole thought about the idea of messaging. So thank you very much. When I originally asked you that question about how do we message to teachers that they can be creative and they can infuse creative into their curriculum, it's, it's not so much just messaging that it's okay, do that or build that trust and do that. Like we, we say with a lot of things about risk taking, right? We always say, let's take risks. It's more about providing the, the teacher's time and space to weave it in, but also showing them that they're already creative. It's just where they're creative and working towards those strengths. Instead of saying, you have to do this, highlighting the strengths in that constellation that you mentioned yes. of skills that they have. Yes. is And that's it. Because once you start there, everyone is creative, right? And in the same way, if we go back to the swimming metaphor, you know, you might say, well, you know, you're, you don't have to be Michael Phelps to be a good swimmer. You don't have to be, you know, 
Steve Jobs to be highly creative. You can be highly creative in the way that's meaningful to you. And I think what's interesting when, when teachers go through my book, the, the weaving book, and it's actually a combination of over a thousand ideas that have been generated by teachers on how they brought creative thinking skills into their classroom. They go through it. And the first thing is to have them do is say, what are all the things you're already doing? And, and they come back and they say, I'm already doing like 50 of these things. Great. I, as I mentioned, you can't survive in education if you are not creative because it's such it's such a way to have to look at things from different perspectives and get curious when you don't have the answers and you know come up with new ideas. So there's so much creativity happening already in education. So it frustrates me when I hear people say, well, there's no creativity happening in education. No, there is. And that's one of the things that I'm on a mission is to show people exactly how it's happening and to be more deliberate about it. And, and I love where that you start with everyone is creative. That just puts everybody's defenses down when you when you start out t- telling them that you want them to be more deliberate, but by admitting first that they they are creative. Because I'm one of those people, I've fallen into that a lot where I'm, oh, I'm not that creative. And I've had people say to me, like, what are you kidding me? Look at the different things that you do. And, and by definition of what you do every day at work, you're a creative person. So that's that's really important. If So your passion, clearly you're passionate about creativity in the classroom. How would that look like if you had if you had your your everything going right in a school from the principal down to the teachers, down to the students? What would that look like if everybody was employing their highest level of creativity in the classroom? Wow, what a powerful question to ask. I think it really starts with administration and and we do work with teachers to help teachers individually. But the most powerful thing that we do in our work is work with administration to really frame how can you set up an environment where risk-taking is encouraged, where new ideas are celebrated, where we can be open to new ideas. That, that's a big, big piece of creativity is being open to, to novelty, um, to model all of those behaviors you know, of a creative person to really allow teachers. And I worked with a fantastic administrator here of a charter school. Her name is Andrea. And she said in front of all of her teachers, I want you to take risks in your classroom. I want you to try some of these strategies that Cindy is talking about. And I do not care if they do not work for you. What I want you to do is try something new. And it was one of the most exhilarating things for these teachers because they knew going in and they would say to their students, we're trying something new today and we'll see how it goes. And the students could see that and they could also do that themselves. Like I'm trying a new assignment today. I'm going to try standing up in front of the class today and I might fail and that's okay. You know, and to deal with all of the emotions that come with creativity, you know, the ambiguity, the complexity, the, it doesn't always feel good. You know, sometimes there's this misconception that creativity is like this feel good stuff. And it can absolutely feel good, you know, when you've accomplished something and it's done, but there is a part of the creative process, whether it is the scientific part of improving on something or the expressive part of creativity, there's often a point where you go, oh God, I don't know what to do. This doesn't feel good, right? (laughs) And ultimately working through that, so not pushing it away or pushing through it, like really working with those emotions that's 
where the depth of learning comes in. That's where the greatest learning comes in. That's where the stickability of learning comes in. And that's what we want students to experience. Every This is like a, a masterclass on, on bringing creativity in the classroom. The things you're saying make so much sense. I do have a question about engagement. I'd love to move on to the engagement piece because you basically hit the support piece Fair. of how we get this going. But as we know, Certain people, for whatever reason, they're slow to pick up on something. They're they're slow to step out and try that different thing that is uncomfortable. I mean, what you were just saying, you're talking about living with discomfort to a point and that that ambiguity. I'd love to hear from you about how leaders can engage teachers in taking that step right when we get back um, from hearing from our sponsors. Great. Okay, and we're back with Cindy. And, um, you know, when we left, right before we heard from the sponsors, Cindy, you were talking about basically how to support teachers and how to message that out so that teachers would take that step to really bring more creativity in their classroom. And you did a great job of starting by defining it. And so then I, I think about when we have that happening, obviously there's always a group that's slow. And I'm not talking about the early adopters and the and the the lag group or anything like that, but just slow to change because they're comfortable with what they're doing. And that living with discomfort is hard for people on different levels. So do you have any advice for the listeners as to how leaders can get their those that follow them engaged in in stepping outside of their comfort zone and and dealing with that ambiguity? and living with that discomfort a little while so they can really start to get creative. So, yes. So (laughs) I think I'm going to start with a big overview, which is as as an administrator, what I would recommend is really sitting down one-on-one with people and listening. And I think so much comes from listening. So if I say to you, if I'm coaching you, I'm an administrator and I'm coaching you and I say, I really would like to take like you to take a risk in your classroom. And I want you to try something new. And I want you to show me what you're trying. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable and giving permission and really listening to, do you have any concerns around that? Well, I'm concerned. I want you to take all those concerns and, you know, I, I I'm hearing those concerns. So, you know, reiterating, I hear your concerns and here's what I would like you to try. But I think higher level than that is as a leader, that you need to really model the path of your own struggle. And I think that's a very vulnerable place to lead. However, I think that is where you need to go if you really want to have the people that are working with you, your teachers, to really follow the path. So for example, I really messed up today. I really should have done this. And I'm, I apologize for that. And I apologize for that mistake. And now we're going to move on, you know, and, and it feels really uncomfortable. Like that vulnerability, when I see leaders who are really vulnerable and talk with their teachers about the challenges they're facing and really have authentic conversations, that is the number one path to creativity is authenticity. I'm really struggling with this. I don't know what to do. This is so uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Can you give me some feedback? And and having those authentic, real, hardcore listening conversations. I think the other thing as a quick strategy, and this was something taught to me by one of my mentors, Mike Fox, is to give people a mistake quotient. And you could do this throughout the whole school. So you say everyone in the everyone in the whole school gets thirty mistakes every day, and whenever you make a mistake, whether it be big or small, you 
you get one mistake taken off your, your number and you just go down to 29. So I'm giving a presentation and I make a mistake and I say, now I'm at 27, now I'm at 26. And it becomes sort of a joke, right? And you can do this as an administrator. You can do this as a teacher. You can give these to your students. You can give your students even little tickets, like mistake mistake tickets, especially if they're doing something really complex. And you say, if you get down to zero, you get a free eraser, a nap, a nap card that says you can go nap in the corner until you can, you know, pull yourself together and, and feel better about what you're doing and then come back and join us as, as a refresh. You know what I mean? So really giving everyone this accountability to take risks and be okay with saying, I made a mistake and now I'm going to move forward from that. I love the mistake coaching idea. That's that's fantastic, uh, especially with the idea that you've you've used them all up. Go take a nap, or or the idea of an eraser. But that's that's a fantastic strategy. And you know, I, I think about the authenticity piece. And and you had said the path to creativity is authenticity, and how important that is for leaders to know, and how important that is for teachers to know in their classroom with their students. Because if they want their students to be creative, I mean, it's it's just a ladder. If you want your students to be creative, you have to have teachers that are authentic and willing to let that happen. And if you want your teachers to be creative, same goes for the leaders. The leaders have to model that and they have to be vulnerable and show where their mistakes are. Is there any way besides getting out of the way that leaders can empower their teachers to take this ball and run with it? So once they've got them engaged, maybe they've given them the, the mistake quotient idea and they, the teachers have used that but the teachers have gotten a taste for it and now they're interested in doing it more. Is there anything special besides just getting out of their way and letting them, letting it happen that leaders can do to encourage its continuance? You know, I think one of the great things we can do is acknowledge the creativity that's happening in the classroom. So you take pictures, you have a bulletin board in your hallway and you say, here are our creativity superheroes. And, you know, you have different, you know, pictures up of the students building something or trying something new, or I failed spectacularly this week. Congratulations. Um, We actually have a set, I have a YouTube station called Creativity. And I do this YouTube station with children's book author, Barney Salzberg, who wrote the book, Beautiful Oops. And we do all sorts of creative thinking exercises and warmups. And I have some group warmups coming up in September. And these are exercises you can do with your students to just practice creativity in the classroom. And they're really simple things that you can do to get your students warmed up to think more creatively. But so much of it is just celebrating it and acknowledging it. So, hey, I saw that you tried something new in your classroom and you have a picture of them up in, in, on the bulletin board or teachers can say, I, I saw so-and-so doing this in the school and it could be a student, it could be a teacher, it could be an administrator. And it's celebrated somewhere in, in the school on a bulletin board so that everyone can see the different kinds of things that people are trying out in the, in the classrooms. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And I, it, it's funny because I do, I do a weekly video wrap up of my school to put out to the community to show the community and tell our story basically but I never thought of putting something with it that is all about creativity. And of course, the shots I take in the classrooms, you know, they're doing robotics, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're teaching. But it's interesting to how powerful that could be after listening to you if I just put a little spin on it. Yeah. So good stuff. Well, I could talk to you for two hours, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you've got so many great ideas. One more thing that you can do, especially with the start of the new school year, is when you're doing a professional development day, is have all the teachers create their own superhero cape. And you could do this with a simple 
um, flip chart piece of paper on the back of their shoulders. And you have them draw out what they think their superhero name would be in the school. So let's say I'm Cindy, um, Cindy Ideator, Ideator Cindy or something funny, you know, like some super fun name and I create my superhero. And then you walk around the room together with your superhero capes on your back and you have, everyone has post-its and they write something positive about that teacher that they've seen do creative, something creative in their classroom. And you have them put their post-its on each other's backs and you use that superhero cape in your room for when you're having a bad day. So when you're having a bad day in your classroom, you put your superhero cape on and you wear it to remind yourself of all the strength and all the support that you have around you in the school. See, this is why I love talking to you because (laughs) that's such a wonderful idea because we do things with costumes and things like that. And we have those, those different days, but I have in my desk, a feel good folder. Mm -hmm. So anytime I get a card from somebody, I get a positive email. I print that email out and I just throw it in the folder. I'm having a bad day where, you know, people are telling me how much they love me. And um, Mm -hmm. I, I open that folder and I read that folder and I feel better. And I've always thought, and I've told other teachers about this, but I've always thought that that's kind of difficult for them or, or it's kind of in the way. So in an effort to get a low entry point, that cape is great because I know there are teachers that would just hang it up. So they just have to right. look over at it. Right. That's fantastic. You're, you're offering so much value to not just the people listening to this, but also myself. So thank right. you very much for, the, for all these techniques. One of the things, no we're getting to the end of the podcast, I, I ask the, the same two questions of every guest that comes on the podcast. And so uh, as we're getting to the end, I figure we'll go to that next. The first question is, if you weren't in education, who, not what would you be? Who would I be? I would love to be a matchmaker. <laughs> I love connect. First of all, I love love and I love connecting people. And I love to see connections. Like, I don't think anything really makes me happier than just connections in general. I think that's why I love creativity so much because it's all about connecting things. And so I would, and I I think I do that in my own careers. I love to connect, you know, you're interested in leadership. I should connect you with so-and-so. And so I love making connections in all different capacities, but I would be a matchmaker. That's a fantastic answer and an explanation behind it. But that's, that's great. <laughs> love it. The last one is, and, and you've given so much advice already, but the last question is, what's one of the most important things or pieces of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they lead? I would say to look for potential. And I have a podcast myself called the Feeling Creativity and Education Podcast. We recently interviewed someone on my podcast called the Feeling Creativity and Education Podcast. And he's a creativity researcher named Mark Runco. And he talks about creative potential. And I think acknowledging creative potential of your team, your teachers, your students is one of the most powerful things you can do. So you see someone do something that is just really exceptional. And to really just take time to, you just mentioned getting a note and and it makes you happy, but just writing a note saying, you know, I saw that you created this really nice board in your classroom. I saw the way you handled that student and you really have a gift for that. You really have something special there. And how might we amplify that even more? Because sometimes you see these glimmers in both your students and in your teachers, and even in administration, you say, I really like this, but you don't really say anything. So every time I see that across the board, I always stop, like wherever I'm at, even if I'm at a, 
you know, a coffee shop and someone is, I'm like, that was really exceptional service you gave me today. I really like the way you did this because of X, Y, and Z. So not just making it something general, but really getting specific in terms of what they did well and acknowledging that creative potential and, and, and saying, how might you amplify that? Because that's really a special gift. I mean, nothing makes people feel better than that. I absolutely agree. I do want to, I want to push you a little bit further on that if I can. Okay. So you're talking about looking for creative potential in people. And um, you stopped at the surface level of acknowledging when they do something creative. Is there a way or are there any strategies that we can look for potential in people so that we can draw it out before we just notice it and then acknowledge it? I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but if we can discover talents in people before they, they're outwardly shown so that it's not just that we're acknowledging it, we're drawing it out of people. I think that's a great question. And I think it comes down to um, authentic conversations and agency. And I think helping people identify what their interests are and how they can bring those um, interests into the classroom and cross-pollination. So I just mentioned matchmaking, right? As something that I'm interested in. It's not something I do, although I have I have made some matches that have led to marriages. But I love you, those connections. Were you just bragging a little bit? A little what? bit. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um, but I love those connections, right? So if you said to me, I'm interested in matchmaking, and then you said, well, what is it about matchmaking that you really enjoy? Well, I like making connections. So how can you bring making connections into your classroom? So I'll ask this to you, Christopher. What's something that you're interested in outside of teaching? I am interested in metalwork. Metalwork. What is it about metalwork that you really enjoy? I like being able to create things, create something out of a different form. So I like that transformation process. Before mm -hmm. I got into education, I was a coppersmith. Mm -hmm. And so I really liked the idea of soldering, uh, doing copper work. And now my youngest son mm -hmm. wants to be a blacksmith. And so I've been going to the forge with him and we've been forging different things. And mm -hmm. I just like the idea of that hands-on. I like metal and stone. But that hands-on being able to take something and transform it into something different than it was before. So hands-on something and something and transforming it. So what can you do in your classroom that will allow you to do that? So how can you bring that experience of something that's hands-on and transforming it into one of your lessons? That is a question that I would have to think about <laughs> a little longer than, yeah, than right on the spot. Okay, the but, idea. But, but I, I know what you're saying. I like, you know, and then maybe that's the whole piece of why I'm into, into leadership and, and I'm why I'm a teacher centered principal, because I like the idea of being able to take teachers where they are and transform them into better practices in their classroom. And I do that through different activities and professional development activities where it's focused on the relationship building aspect. It's focused on different aspects of how to approach education rather than the age old, you know, just teaching the way we've always taught. And it's funny right. because that bumps right up against my why of making the educational experience better for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that opened can, a whole can of worms. <laughs> no, and I love it because I think that's where that connection is. If you think about those things that really fire you up, that you're interested in even outside of the education world. I mean, we all love to create. We are, 
you know, if you look at children, they're all natural creators. They right. like, you know, the expressive side, the touching side, the thinking with your hand side. Like we, a lot of people really enjoy that. So how do you bring that aspect into your curriculum, into what's happening on a day-to-day basis? So you help your students transform something in their classroom that helps really make the learning more engaging and stick. stick. You know, that's one of the 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 great things about genius hour, that technique using genius hour, where Mm -hmm. we had a teacher that did that specifically went after doing that in one of her classrooms this year and gave them a whole class period every Friday to create something that showed their understanding or how they understood a topic that was related back to the curriculum Mm -hmm. and just gave them that period to work on their own and obviously facilitated and circulated and answered questions and things like that. But the things they came back with that they created was really interesting. Mm. So I, I completely hear what you're saying about we're, you know, we're born creators. We like to create. Yeah. So, well, uh, like I said, two hours, I could talk to you for two hours. I'm happy to come back whenever you want me to. Even longer. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to. Hear, I'm so glad you said that out loud. You're definitely coming back. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. One of the things is you've said so much, um, what are, what's the best way people listening to this episode can get in touch with you if they want to follow up or have further questions. Well, creativityandeducation.com has tons of downloadable free resources. Our YouTube station, Creativity, um, has a lot of creative thinking challenges. And again, we are about to unleash this whole um, warm-ups for the classroom series that we've been that I've been working on six different warm-ups that all you know one is around failure that I love it's a failure game like celebrating failure in the classroom um, but all different kinds of creative thinking exercises I have the feeling creativity and education podcast which we interview the leading scholars and teachers and administrators in the field of creativity and if people want to reach out to me, they can reach out to me directly at Cindy, um, and it's spelled C-Y-N-D-I, like Cindy Lopper, which I changed it when I was in the seventh grade to spell Cindy Lopper. So Cindy at creativityandeducation.com. Well, at least it was red hair and not orange hair when you had your full black outfit, right? <laughs> awesome. Yes. Awesome. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for um, being on the show today and everything you've offered to the listeners and to me. I've learned so much just listening to you. Great. Uh, All those things will be linked up in the show notes and I can definitely see myself using a lot of this material in the coming in the coming school year. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. 
And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.